0: Good morning, everybody. Let's try that again. How's everybody doing? Good? Turn to your neighbors. say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Hey, can we welcome our online viewers, our online campus, our Framingham family, our TC family. What's up, everybody at TC? What's up, Fram fam? We had a great time in uh, Framingham on Friday night. The whole place was just jam-packed, having an awesome worship experience. Shout out to Pastor Josh and his team. He's he's over there, I believe, at TC today. Great. Is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this right? I feel like I'm, like, over here. Is this okay? Okay, good. Just making sure I'm good, because the cameras are over there, so I'm just saying. Um, let me know if I need to move. Somebody tell me, because I feel awkward right now. I'm a very asymmetrical person. Or symmetrical person, excuse me. Symmetrical person. So if you saw my desk, everything's, like, like right now. See, it's, like, perfect right there. Everything's nothing's like that. Nothing's like, okay, you guys don't care about all this, but anyway, I'm just distracting myself. It helps me get, you know, oriented. (laughs) All right. But anyway, we had an amazing night in uh, Framingham, and uh, it was just good to be able to worship together. Great job, Pastor Josh and team. It was incredible. Let's get my notes out. Are you guys uh, ready to get in the Word today a little bit? Five people are ready to get in the Word. Awesome. I appreciate that. That's amazing. And Let me uh, get situated. So we're going to do, like, today's kind of like a one-off. We're starting a new series next week uh, called The Hoods. The Hoods. And uh, we're going to start, Mama Fry is going to be preaching next week. (laughs) On motherhood, on motherhood. And then the series will go all the way to Father's Day on fatherhood. And we'll deal with a, a message which ends in hood every week for six weeks. So it's going to be a great, great, great series. Amen? Uh, Listen, here, I'll just say this by way of introduction. Um, My my message is called The Snare of Care. If you're taking notes, it's called The Snare of Care, all campuses. And what I believe is kind of just a particular word. I wanted to create some space sometimes between series to address individual subjects, sometimes things that come up. But uh, what happens sometimes is, as I observe. Uh, not so much our media culture, but the culture at large, there's really no gray anymore. Like it's just you're on, you're, you're like with us or, or against us kind of world. Does anybody know what I'm talking about right now? It's a crazy world we're in right now. In fact, tolerance uh, doesn't mean what it once meant. There's no tolerance anymore. You either agree with me or you disagree with me. I'm going to have, I'll have nothing to do with you. you might even come up against you. Uh, And so tolerance in the world today, there is no tolerance. There should be tolerance in the church. Can I have an amen? Amen. Uh, The ability to practice uh, tolerating and accepting and being patient with people with different opinions and different beliefs and different practices, a lack of bigotry. That's what tolerance is. And we should have that in the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. But conversely, big word, but conversely, my daddy used to always say, and I'm sure it was a stolen phrase, but if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything, right? And so because of this um, polarity that we have in our world today, that's probably as strong as I've ever seen it, uh, we need to know what we believe and in whom we have believed more than ever. We need to know what we believe, have answers to a lot of the problems that are going on in our world, and we need to know in whom we have believed so we have a certain conviction or authority about those answers. Does that make sense? And that's not easy to do. And by the way, this is not a political message. It's not about being political. This is about being powerful as Christians. Okay? Everybody with me right now? So I'm kind of setting something up here as we go forward because I think there's a time uh, that we're in right now where we can't be ashamed of our faith. Praise God for three people that agree with me. but. I definitely have to preach on this, amen. So I just think that more, as I look at the world as as your pastor, I don't think, there's no answers, there's no hope, there's no solutions outside of Jesus Christ. More than any other time in my life, I'm convinced of that. Amen? I mean, people need it. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. There used to be this song, People Need the Lord. People need the Lord so desperately. And and, and if we don't, I'll just say it like this, if we don't, it won't. If we don't do something about it, it won't happen. God's plan A is you, is me. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's plan A is you. Turn to your second choice and say, even you. <laughs> even you. You're, you're, you're his plan A too. But there's something that gets in the way of us being his plan A. And that's what I want to get to today, okay? And, and I'm going to tell a story and then I'm going to pray. But let me, just, let me just share that. I'll go back and I'll use myself, but you can put yourself probably in a bunch of scenarios, a bunch of stories, a bunch of situations, but I can remember, this is way back, but I can remember being in the eighth grade, okay, so he's like, wow, he's really going back there, but let me just say, this, this is an adolescent example, but it applies to all seasons, ages, and stages of life, okay, I was an adolescent, I was an eighth grader who is obsessed with acceptance, which I think still exists more than ever, People are dying, starving, thr- just doing everything they can to try to get acceptance. And, but I was overly concerned about what everybody else thought of me. It was ridiculous, really. But I couldn't see it. I couldn't see how debilitating, how diminishing, um, and ultimately discouraging to the relationships in my life. My relationship with God, my relationship with my family, my influence of others was all affected by this preoccupation that I had in my life. I was all about being Mr. Popular. I know that's hard to believe. I, I was about being Mr. Popular at all costs, literally, seemingly. And In fact, in the eighth grade, I remember I was in an English class. And my final grade, I was like an A student. A student in English. English I was always very good at. Uh, history, horrible, science. <laughs> but English I was always good. I was a good writer. It was a good talker. But I used my gift wrong. So in English, there, there was just these rules, classroom rules, where you couldn't talk out loud without, like, permission. You know, you got to raise your hand, then you got to speak. It's amazing how things have changed today. But I got... Every time you talk out loud without permission, you get one point docked off your grade. Your final grade. That's how fierce this was. And I got 24 points docked off my grade for talking out loud. Because I could not control the desire for people to just accept me and laugh at me and see something funny. And I just, I was obsessed with that. So much so that a great student became a lesser student. my influence was And my grades were impacted. The addiction was very, very strong. And it kind of hit it at apex in the eighth grade when I discovered this thing was going on. There was like this uh, election I heard about. An election at our school where where you could be uh, the president of the class. I didn't know what that was all about. I started hearing about it. And then what I got for feedback was whoever was the president was like the most popular person in the whole school. So naturally, I decided I was going to run for president. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what it was all about. And, 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 and it just appeared that if I ran for this office, I could be extremely popular. And so that was my sole purpose, just popularity contest. And, and I didn't care about advocating for students. I didn't care about how the interface would be with the administration of the school. I didn't know any of that sort of thing. And so I ran for office, and amazingly, I won. I had to cheat, steal, borrow to get there, but I won. And it was, it was like, it was like awesome for about one day. And then there was a reckoning. Everybody say a reckoning. A reckoning came because I didn't realize this. I was not a public speaker at the time. In fact, one of my greatest fears would be in front of a lot of people and having to bring some kind of like speech of sorts. But I had to bring an acceptance speech as the president in front of the whole school and on top of that, you're supposed to invite your, the families of the school would come. And it was just this big thing. That's how I used to do it back then. But because of my fear of man, because of my fear of disapproval, I didn't even invite my own parents. So my parents, I didn't invite them and, but they found out about it. And I can remember I'm, I'm standing on the, on, on the platform like this and I'm getting ready to bring my speech. And I walk up and in the back of the room comes my mother and father through the back of the room. And I can just remember shame coming over me. In effect. I literally froze. I was just like, I can't believe it. And I could just see kind of like disappointment because like we had to find out about this from somebody else. We didn't find out about it from you. And that was a bad day. And the next day I had, to, I, had to, I had to be before the cabinet. And I was supposed to bring vision for the school. I, I, I suddenly realized the second day of reckoning was I had Responsibilities. And things that I had to do as the president. And it was a horrible day. I wasn't aware and I wasn't ready for that hit. But eventually I began to break free of this preoccupation. But not without some heavy revies, as I like to say. Some surrender. And I just want to say that this isn't just an adolescent problem. In my mind, this is a huge problem in our world today. And it's affecting our influence on planet Earth as God's plan A. And so I'd like to pray. Would you join me as we pray? Father, in Jesus' name, for every person in this room, I pray that you help me communicate your incorruptible truths in a way that is relevant, in a way that is life-changing, not just challenging. I pray, Lord, that you speak, and you speak to individuals in this room. Lord, we want to be your agents of change. We want to be the people of God who are influencing Those who are here, Lord, you've called us for a purpose, to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, messengers on planet earth. Lord, quicken us, awaken us, awaken your church for its assignment on earth. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap. Thank you, brother. appreciate you. Okay. So I was in prayer about a week ago, and just thinking about what I was going to talk about today. I had a couple things Running around in my brain, but I feel like the Lord told me that in order for Connect to reach more people, touch more people, lead more people, we're going to have to get a deeper level of freedom from people in order to be able to help people. We got to get free from people to be able to help people. Amen. In other words, this is my experience, and I'm summarizing a lot, but a lot of times people, and I think most of you know what I'm saying, and I'll qualify it quickly, but a lot of people, when they get saved, they or they give their lives to Jesus. They, they transfer trust from what they could do to what Jesus already did. And they put their faith, hope in Jesus Christ. When that happens, that's saved. That means, uh, Pastor Chris talked about this a little while ago from John chapter 3. When you get born again. When that happens, a lot of times people do one of two things, in my experience. They get saved, and then they separate their lives from the people that they're called to influence and to impact... Because they don't want to get corrupted by the people that they, that, that they once behaved like. So they, sep- they get saved and then they separate their lives instead of separating in their hearts. Okay, so that's one group of people. Everybody say one group. Then there's the other group of people that get saved and they receive, let's call it the heaven package, the blessed assurance. But then they go right back into the world and continue to live the same way they once did in the world for fear of being judged by those people as too religious or too fanatical or whatever. And then they lose their influence for God. One's not influencing God because they're not even connected to people who don't know God. And the others are connected to people who don't know God but have no influence because they're acting just like them. Am I connecting with anybody right now? Are we getting what I'm saying? And the reason for that, why is that? It's just three words. It's the fear of man. The fear of man. That's what I want to talk about today. And the fear of man brings the snare, the message is the snare of care. And I'll make that make sense in a little bit. But a symptom, I'm going to sound like Brian Adams in a little bit, so don't, don't mind me if I start singing Run to You. But a symptom of a person who is free Uh, from the fear of man is a person who cares about people, wants to reach people and touch people. A person who is not free tends to not care and tends to not reach people. So the reason, listen, and I'm just being a good pastor today. I'm not here for you to like me. I'm here for you to help you. The reason most of the church has never helped somebody cross the line of faith from darkness to light, from trusting in themselves to trusting in Jesus. Do you know that All of us have that responsibility. That's not just the office of an evangelist or a pastor or a public minister, that we're all given that response. The reason, I'm just submitting to you, the reason for that is the fear of man. The fear of man. It's like an approval. It's a subtle approval addiction. And so God doesn't want you to shy away, hide away, but he also doesn't want you to get in their way. He wants you to show them the way. Truth in the life, Jesus Christ, by your life because of how he changed your life. The Apostle Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 9.19. This is amazing. He said, this is a guy who reached many people for Christ, maybe more people in the New Testament than anybody. He said, for though I am free from all men. Everybody say "all all men. All mankind. Though I'm free, I have made myself a slave to everyone. What a unique statement. I'm free, but I'm a slave. I make myself a slave to everyone so that I may what? Win more for Christ. One translation says, the contemporary English Bible says, Although I am free from all people, I make myself a slave to all people to win more people. So there's just this flip of the script where at one point before Christ we were a slave to sin. But now we make ourselves in a sense as Christians free slaves where we're free from people, but we're called to go back and reach those people and commit to those people freely, but as a slave to help them. We're, 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 we're doing everything we can with our influence to help them. And this doesn't happen many times because of a fear of man. I expect, by the way, through this message, I'll get very few amens because it's a tough message. I'm just going to say that. Proverbs 29, 25. Thank you, Eddie. I love you. Proverbs 29, 25 says... The fear of people or fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Another translation, King James says, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth. When I first read that, I thought it was a golf word, putteth. (laughs) But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. So a snare, like a hunter knows a snare, is, is to trap a bird. Why do, they, why, do they, uh, why do they create traps for birds? To keep them from moving, to keep them from going anywhere, to keep them from flying. So a snare, the enemy uses the fear of man to keep you from, from moving forward, from, from impacting others. You were created to soar. You were created to fly. You were not created to be controlled and contained and restrained because of what other people think about you. Are you with me, everybody? We're supposed to kind of be able to walk on the edge a little bit and and take some risks sometimes. But instead, many Christians are just stuck, stayed, and stagnant in their relationship with God all by myself. And it's not reaching anybody around us. Amen? Am I preaching already? Okay, so here's our big idea if you're taking notes. The fear of man not only brings us snare, but it makes it so you don't even care. I'm telling you, the thing that neutralizes the church from being the compassion agent that it is called to be is this problem of the fear of man. Or you could call it approval addiction if you want to give some modern vernacular to it. That's what happened to me in the eighth grade. I didn't, the fear of man kept me from inviting my parents because I was embarrassed. The fear of man kept me from responsibility of, for other people in my role as a class president. And you see, sometimes. You do this, not just, it's just not me. We all do this. Sometimes we don't pray for somebody that the Holy Spirit prompts you to, or you don't even hear the Holy Spirit's prompting anymore because you've done it so long. The volume is turned down so low you can't hear him anymore. But let's just say you do, and then you don't. It's because you're concerned about what somebody else is going to think about you, or somebody around you is going to think about you. Are you with me, everybody? One time I was at, I used to work out at this gym in Natick. Shout out to Metfit. And uh, if I was closer, I'd still be there. Fan weather friend. But anyway, 40-minute drive, shut up. Uh, <coughs> but this was a gym with a lot of um, powerlifters and strongmen and stuff. And there were these, there was these two giants, the Hadge Brothers. They're friends of mine. And um, monsters, just absolute monsters. Uh, one of the brothers has like a 940-pound deadlift. Uh, you, you might not appreciate what that means, but just take an 18-wheeler and try to pick it up. But anyway... He came up to me in the middle of the gym uh, because, now, let me just say, I've failed in this so many times I can't tell you, and I'm not going to tell you about all my failures because I want to encourage you with some, some wins, okay? So I, this is just, I humbly just say as I present th- these couple of testimonies. But he came up to me because of my witness in the gym. Everybody knew I was a Christian. Not everybody knew I was a pastor, but everybody knew I was a Christian. But he came up to me, and he had torn his bicep, uh, if you've ever seen one of those injuries, they're horrible. It's like a curtain rod just, choo, it snapped, and his whole bicep went up almost like, almost like into your shoulder. He's a monster, absolutely huge human being. And he came over, and his first thought was, Pastor, PD, 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 can you pray for me? And so this giant just comes over to me. I'm, I'm on the bench, and I lean up, and I'm like, Joe, Yo, you know, what, what? What do you want? He goes, can we pray. got to pray for me. Look, 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 look. And I, and I, I said, right now? He goes, yeah, right now. I need you to pray for me. I said, all right, okay. I stand up because I have to stand up to just get to him. And, and he gets down on his knees, this just, just massive 300-pound human being just down on knees, And I just pray in the name of Jesus. I just pray for my brother. I pray God. And the whole gym's woof, just looking at us while well, I'm praying for this, this monster. Can I just tell you that one prayer led to so many conversations over the course of about a year? Many, many people want to know more about the things of God. In fact, one of my friends is probably watching right now. She's an online member of Connect, one of my dearest friends. Her name's Donna Warren. Donna, shout out to you. I love you. Donna followed up shortly after that and asked me to pray for her wrist. She had arthritis in her wrist. She was wearing a brace, and she saw that, and so she heard about it or saw it. I don't remember which, and she asked me to pray for it in the middle of the gym, and I prayed for her, and progressively her, her wrist got healed, but more than that, she surrendered her life to Jesus Christ. She's reading her Bible every day, walking and talking with Jesus all down on the Cape every single day. She watches online all the services, all because I wasn't afraid to pray for a friend. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? I'm just trying to give you some testimonies right now. See, the fear of man can stop the rescue op of man. The mission of the church thwarted by this issue. The fear of man is when you put someone's approval above God's approval. I wrote some questions down in my journal, and I transposed them to this. Let me let me give you some questions. These are these are hard. How do you know if you have the fear of man? Are you guys there? Are everybody with me right now? Yeah. Let me ask you these questions. I ask myself these. Do you often need something from others? Do you crave compliments? Are you ever afraid that you might be exposed as an imposter? Bless you. Bless you again. Are you overly concerned with how you look, how much you weigh, how you're dressed? Do you think about your self-esteem a lot? Do Do you often feel painfully unappreciated? Do you make excuses for your bad behavior? Do you justify your mistakes or shift blame because you can't handle the thought of failing in front of people? Do you show favoritism to certain people whose approval you crave? Are you overly committed? Do you have a hard time saying no? So you say yes to everything. If you say no, then you'd be letting them down, and that would cost their approval. Do you get easily embarrassed? Is anyone here easily embarrassed? The rest of you, I want you to come up here and preach, okay? Look at all the hands flying now. Look at all the hands flying now. Okay, all right. Do you compare yourself to others and feel good when you win and envious when you lose? See, I could go on with different questions, but the point is the fear of man is a constant desire, a lust to be noticed, to be approved, to matter to someone, but not the right someone. The problem is when you fear something or someone in particular, it ultimately results in disobedience and, listen, missed opportunities. If I hadn't said yes, what would have happened? Donna wouldn't be... Donna wouldn't be in in, in relationship with God right now. I guarantee you Donna's crying right now, listening. I can can see her face. But it it robs you too. It robs you of the secure foundation and confidence that you have in your relationship with God because real esteem, real self-worth comes from your creator, not from the created. See, God's looking down from heaven and he's saying, why would you exchange fleeting approval for eternal approval from me? And he wants us to live for that eternal approval. So what does it look like to be free? Write this down if you're taking notes. You need to walk in the authentic you. Yes, yes. In, in, in communication, as a communicator, one of the things that we say or we look for, especially when you're you know, on this side of experience, you've been there a while, is you're trying to help people find my voice. People need their voice. And I remember when I first started preaching, if you saw how it was in the beginning, it was comical, you know. I was trying to be somebody else. I was trying to be this guy. His guy's name was Larry Lee. Larry Lee was this prayer prophet, teacher uh, from Dallas, Texas. And he had this long flowing hair. And it looked like a fishtail in the back. And so when he preached, it would shake and the fishtail would go like that. And, and he'd always do that, you know, so that it would shake. And so then I'd preach bald as could be. And I'd be going like this, just thinking, you know, I got that, I got that. And people are like, what is he doing? Does he have Tourette's? Like, what's the matter with him? I'm like, I'm trying to be Larry Lee right now. Don't you know what I'm doing? I tried to be my dad. Nope, that didn't work. I tried to be this person or that person. I tried to be Chris Hodges. Well, a little bit of Chris Hodges ain't bad. You know, maybe I got a little bit of that me. But you got to be you. Can I have an amen out there? You got to do you. You got to do the thing that God created you to do. You can't be a second-rate copy of a first-rate you. you got to be who God created you to to be. You don't wear somebody else's armor, somebody else's shoes. Like David, he modeled this for us in our lives. And what happens is many people, uh, it's like, think about the gym right now, it's like a guy who gets a dislocated arm. Many Christians have dislocated gifts. The gifts are attached to you but they're dislocated because of fear of other people's approval. We're literally walking around with these powerful gifts attached to our spirit man, and they're not in use. They're attached, but they're dislocated because of the fear of man. Are you with me, somebody? And God wants to reattach your gifts and use you. Thank you, sweetheart. God wants to reattach and use your gifts for his glory, but you're going to have to get over this problem. So number two, you have to learn how to be comfortable with something. I'm going to pack this for you. If they Don't put it up yet. If you did, I forgive you. But I can remember many years ago, everybody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Technique. All right. I can remember when uh, we first started posting videos online. And uh, the first YouTube video went up. And I was honored. I was like, look at this. We got got, Connect Church is on YouTube. Fire! I was so excited. And then people started watching it. The views are going up, you know. And then one day I went back. And I look. And I saw something I'd never seen before. I saw one of these. I saw a single thumbs down. Just one. And the thought that went through my head is, where does that guy live I want to ask him some questions I was so upset by this one thumb down and if you're gonna get over the fear of man you're gonna have to learn to live with the thumbs down once in a while everybody and not live for the thumbs up and the approval of other people Galatians 1 says am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God am I trying to please people if I were still Paul speaking, trying to still please people, I would not be, look what happens, it cancels out my ability to care for, I would not be a servant of Christ. There were people all through the Bible, it says they loved God, but they, but they wanted human praise more than the praises of God, John 12, 43. The approval of man, what, it was never meant to be the meal. It was only meant to be the supplement to the meal. You don't live, the thing, the, the thing that really is supposed to satisfy is approval from God. It's just bonus that you get approval from somebody else. That's just the supplement, but that's never meant to be the meal. And guess, that, guess what? Then the enemy tries to give you stimulants for the meal. Stimulant, like put this in the natural. It's like coffee and sugar and things like that. It just gives you a temporary fix, a quick fix But it never satisfies, right? And so what do you got to do? You got to get more. You got to get more of that quick fix. And literally, you got to get more likes, more in the social media realm, let's just say, emojis and thumbs ups and hearts. And it's just these short-term fixes. But the devil's behind all that, everybody. He's trying to, it's like crack. He's trying to just get you totally addicted to the wrong thing. And it leaves you empty. And the truth is we have to learn to live with the thumbs down. I had people in the past, I had to get over this, and my wife knows some of these examples. I have people's, people's faces in my, and, and, and names in my notes, but I remember people that were against the vision of the church, the vision that, is, that has come to fruition now in the early phases of the church, and it hurt me dearly. Left our church, I don't agree with the vision. And I remember them walking out and thinking, I can change. You know what I mean? Like, you don't like the vision? What vision do you want to have? You know, that's what I was. But God's like, how, how, how much is your vision worth, Derek? Can I be honest? They were, they were leaving, like, and they, people were leaving, and, and, and they, were, they were heavy hitters, you know? They were, they were contributors. They were, they were doers. They were, they were leaders. And I just thought, oh, I got to get over that. I remember people telling me, talking to me about my preaching, giving thumbs down on my preaching. I go out the door, and they say, you know what? Almost as good as your daddy. First couple of times that happened, I wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> just to be completely honest. I want to go off on that but I'm not some people anyway I'm going to I'm going to go on to the next point. Praise the Lord. All right. You got to get wiser as you go along. Number 3, you got to stay out of the ditch. Everybody say stay out of the ditch. Of the ditch. Following God is like fa- it's like it's like walking a plank. I wish I had two sides to a plank, but you know, when you're following God, you you got to make sure you're not it's like if this was a plank and I had two sides to this plank. One, following God is where I Where I don't need anything from you, but it's not that I don't care about you. This side is where I care about everything you say, and if I'm not careful, I'm going to fall into the ditch. This side is I don't care about you at all. God wants you to care for them, but not be controlled by them. We got to be careful we don't fall into the ditch. And so some people are on one side or the other. It's like my opening statement. Some people, I'm going to be in the world. And some people, I'm just going to be, I'm going to pull away and not be in it at all. But I'm not, it's all fear-based. It's all fear-based. Are you with me, everybody? And so God wants you in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, knowing, therefore, the fear of the Lord, which is totally misinterpreted by people. What's the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is I'm afraid to live without his approval as primary in my life. I'm afraid not to be close to him and anything to separate us. But when I know that, and I'm in relationship like that, the Bible says we persuade men. You're persuasive. You're influential. You're a high-impact player for the kingdom of God. Are you with me, everybody? The most powerful people, I've said this for years now, the most powerful people on the planet are free people. Free people. Joseph... In the Bible, you guys know Joseph, right? Genesis, yep. the story, 39 to, chapter 39 to 50. Amazing story. <clears throat> Joseph was an interpreter of dreams. One of his primary gifts was an interpreter of dreams. And one time he interpreted a guy's dream, came to him and said, here's my dream. And he said, you're going to be blessed. Another guy, he interpreted his dream and said, you're going to die. Bad news. I got bad news for you. You want me to interpret your dream? You're going to be dead soon. How many you know you got to be free to say this and that? Right? But because he had that freedom, just 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 zoom out for a second, he eventually interprets the dream of the Pharaoh and becomes the second most influential person at that time in the world because he didn't have a fear of man. I just want you to know, knowing therefore the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Amen. Are you with me, everybody? Number four, you show your love. You show your love. Many hide. Many hide the fear of man behind phrases. They say things like, that's not my responsibility. It's not my thing. It's not my gig. Uh, I'm just shy. I think, pastor, our life should be our message. That's what people say. But it's a mask. It's true. Your life should be a message. But the message is also the message. How will they know unless we tell them, the Bible says in the book of Romans? Are you with me, everybody? And so sometimes we're just making all these excuses when it's really just we're hiding from this this, this, this fear of man. It's, it's like, if you ever go to the middle school dance? How many ever went first dance, middle school? Okay? You got the boys on one side, and you got the girls over here on the other side, right? And everybody's just staring at each other with their hands in their pockets, like, oh, my gosh, you know, and, Who's going to make the first move? And the whole dance floor is open, except for a few people. A few boys and girls are out there, like, cutting it up. Yeah, yeah, they don't know how to dance. Or a few of them, a few of them might, because they practice all week long in front of the mirror. Come on, somebody. Right? That was me. I was like, I'm going to dance, but I'm going to know what I'm doing. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be getting in there. I'm going to be busting a move. They won't know what happened. But all the people on the side that are watching, the few people in the middle, they are just like, they're not thinking, we're so cool over here. They're not. No, nobody's thinking that. Everybody's thinking, those people are having the best time. Those are the coolest cats in the whole school. And we're not cool. We're over here not because we're cool. We're over here because we're afraid of looking bad. Right, and this translates into our life today. No, everybody's so afraid of looking bad that we don't do anything good in the world today. And a free person doesn't care about what people think. They have they have a fire on them. They're influencers, and frankly, everybody wants to be like them, and is sometimes even envious of them. Free people, can I tell you, they freely they freely give, they freely serve. They freely witness. Free people freely worship. Free people. Come on, somebody. Free people praying tongues out loud. No, I'm just kidding. At the top of their lungs. the tie my bow tie. All right. Free people are different. I'm just trying to tell you what's behind that's the free man. So quickly, I mean quickly. How do we get free? You've got to decide a couple things. Everybody getting something out of this? You need to decide who you serve. Whatever you fear, you follow. Whatever you fear, you follow. Saul was a king. He came before King David. David was God's choice, but Saul was the people's choice. He got what we would know today as the People's Choice Award. He was the most popular. But he had a major, major problem. And it led to disobedience and misopportunities because he was so preoccupied with what people think. And sometimes people mistake Man's approval for the favor of God. And it's not. They're very different. Popularity will fade. Respect will last. It will last. Are you with me, everybody? Respect lasts. When you do something, Respect is when you do something time and time again, whether they like it or don't, in the best interest of the person that you're trying to help, not in your best interest. That's what respect does. And so I would just say, will you risk sometimes once in a while being willing to hurt somebody's feelings to save somebody from a grave mistake? When's the last time you've done that? that. Beware of the snare of care. Beware of the snare of care. I remember when we first started pastoring this church, I had to have like a reckoning with God. Like, do I want a crowd or do I want a church? I had to separate what that was. Do I want a mob disguised as... Christians in religious attire or do I want a crowd of people who are being transformed by the incorruptible truths of Jesus Christ led by godly examples? Which one do I want to have? Do I want a crowd or do I want to, want a church? And when we seek his approval, I believe favor falls, favor falls. Here's another one. Number two, you need to confront the spirit of intimidation. Let me say it like this. Satan is all, he can't create anything, but he can try to distort everything. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. And he, so he's always trying to blow up the problem so you can't see the solution. But I want you to know uh, you, God's called, He's given you something. He's given you power inside of you. He's given he's given you love, power and a sound mind. But he also says to us that that there's a spirit behind this situation, that the the there's a that there's a spirit of intimidation. There's a spirit of fear. God has not given you a spirit of Fear. Or intimidation but a power love and a sound mind so that basically means that that fear of man is not an attitude or disposition it's a spirit and so you can't confront a spirit with natural means you have to confront it with spiritual solutions this is not a problem that we face oh I'm just gonna no there's some things you're gonna have to do to to unravel this and I believe we have to confront this spirit this intimidation spirit Uh, forthwith with the presence of God and with the authority that we've been given by God where we rebuke the Spirit and then continue to walk in the Spirit in order for God's Spirit to continue to stay. Because if you don't, you're going to be like Elijah. Elijah was a man who could confront a king, but not a queen. The king basically said, oh, Elijah, are you here to trouble me, oh, troubler of Israel? And he confronted him for his sin. But then shortly thereafter, 1 Kings chapter 19, Jezebel basically says to him, by tomorrow I'm going to do to you what happened to those prophets. I'm going to have your head. And Elijah ran for his life intimidated by this woman. And and what happens is this woman had his number. Do you know what I mean by that? There's people in your life right now that are minimizing you and that are shutting you down. They have your number. Wow. You're controlled by them. And I believe there are authorities in your life whose words should have weight in your life. But they sh- weight should never be confused with control. With control. And so God, does, God, the only one that should have your number is the Holy Spirit. He dials your number and says, this is what I want you to do, and then you go do it. But sometimes we're not doing something because a a, a woman has your number, because a boss has your number, because a father has your number, because uh, uh, your coach has your number, and they're shutting you down with the spirit of intimidation. Are you with me, everybody? Oh my gosh, you have so much to say, but I can't say it. So what do you do? You got to cut off the power of the fear of man by dying to self dying to self. The root of intimidation is the self-life. You're either an intimidator or intimidated but the root is still self-life. They're both equally, they're both equally wrong. Peter had this problem. Peter, the, the apostle Peter. He couldn't stand up to a little girl. Intimidation, fear of man. And then later he uh, cut off a guy's ear. Intimidation. Even confronted Jesus, the son of God. He, he had both sides. The root of Peter's problem was self-love. And he had to learn to receive God's perfect love, casts out all types of fear, including the fear of man. Are you with me, everybody? I want you to stand on your feet. I'm going to pray for you because God wants you to be free. Not a Saul, not an Elijah. He wants you to be like a David. David got free, and he was a, he was a singer and a stone slinger. He was... He became a very powerful man of God because he wasn't afraid of what man thought. And God wants to do the same thing for you. But for some of you, you're going to have to learn to do a few things. I'm going to ask campus pastors to join me at all locations. I'll hand it off to you in just a second. But if you wrestle with the fear of man, something I said in the limited time I had is resonating with you with every head bowed, every eye closed, please. But at the same time, part of me wants to say, don't be afraid to keep your eye open either because maybe it's good for you. But I would just say this, if you can't acknowledge that that's a problem, it's probably a way bigger problem than you realize. But if you struggle in any way, shape, or form with this spirit, the spirit of the fear of man, I want you to just raise your hand. It's just a sign that that's an issue for me and that's a spirit I want to deal with. God bless you. All campuses, all locations acknowledge this before God. Thank you very much. You can put your hands down. God bless you. I want to say this to all my church. Some of you are going to have to learn to live with the thumbs down. Some of you are going to have to get out of the ditch. Fear what people think or not caring about people at all. You got to get out of the ditch, everybody. And some of you need to decide, are you going to fear God? Who are you going to serve? Are you going to, who you serve, you follow. Are you going to follow God's approval or man's approval? Some of you are going to need to die to self. where it's not about you. It's about others. But for now... In this moment right now, I want to confront the spirit of intimidation. I remember when this was broken in my life at a very young age, and at times I have to go back and regain some freedom. But, Father, I pray for every person within the sound of my voice, all locations, that you make our church, the people of God in this church, bold. Lord, I pray that we would be as bold as a lion church. Lord, I pray that we would not be afraid, we would not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. And I pray, Lord, when those opportunities pop up, first of all, that you turn the volume up in everybody's hearts and minds, that they see that they are... Jesus with skin on to the world. They are out there to be able to pull people in here into the kingdom of God. And we are here for just such a time as this, Lord, to be able to reach people. Because this world is going to hell in a handbag. This world is struggling. People are messed up more than any other time in history. No morals, no scruples, no convictions, no common sense. And the only hope is Jesus Christ and Jesus in me. Jesus in me is the solution. And I pray for boldness to come on your church in Jesus' name. Not to scare people, but to save people. Lord, use us to reach people in our sphere of influence. Lord, we should see people that are in our sphere of influence, and we see them into the kingdom. One by one, Lord, that we would be your agents of change. In and through us, I pray. And I pray this spirit be broken. I pray you replace it, the spirit of fear and intimidation, with power. Everybody say power. With love, everybody say love. And with a sound mind, say a sound mind. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. God bless you, TC, Framingham Online. We love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. Hey, listen, we're going to worship God. I want you guys just to... Close your eyes, raise your hands. The worship team's going to come behind me right now. I just want you to sing to Jesus. Ask him, even in the midst of this song, to begin to set you free from the inside out in Jesus' name. Amen? God bless you, everybody.